basically what we want to do is create the leaders in these companies that can make meaningful change. But the question is, how do you do that? And I often say, you know, the quality of our output is influenced by the inspiration we seek. A very warm welcome to the Bridging Podcast. It's your host, Özlem from Amsterdam. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Philippa White. She's joining us from Olinda, Brazil. She was raised in Canada, lived in South Africa, in England, studied in Thailand, and now she lives in Brazil. Her dad was a doctor. Her uncle was the doctor of Nelson Mandela, but she studied business. By studying business, she thought initially, either you are a business person, either you have a job that you're helping people. But she really wants to combine those two with each other. 16 years ago, she started the International Exchange Program. Philippa believes in the power of bringing the private sector together with the NGOs. Philippa will tell us more about the International Exchange Program, what it does with the private sector, and the NGO, but maybe most importantly, with the people that go to the NGOs to make a huge difference in their lives and their communities. Here is Philippa White. Philippa White, welcome to the Bridging Podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you now? Which which part of the world? So I'm in Brazil, which I know is hitting a lot of headlines at the moment. I'm not where you would probably think. Most people think, oh, Brazil, cool. Sao Paulo, Rio. I am, uh, if you picture the map of Brazil, where it kind of sticks out the closest to Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just below the, the equator. So uh, b- below the Amazon, just below the equator. Olinda, so if anyone is listening, sitting in front of their computer or at their phone, yeah. uh, put in Olinda into Google. The All the images that will come up, that's what I see literally out, yeah, every day. So okay. that's where I am. It's an old colonial uh, UNESCO heritage town. Mm. Yeah. And how did you end up in Olinda in Brazil? Like, what is your background? Can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Okay, well, background, uh, I might go a little bit before um, how I got here very, very quickly. So my accent's Canadian. Mm-hmm. I was actually born in South Africa. So born in South Africa, half of my family live in South Africa and the other half live in England. So my uh, growing up in Canada, I didn't have any immediate, well, I just had my immediate family. I didn't have any grandparents or anch- uncles and aunts. Studied in Canada, went to business school in Canada, then did a degree in Bangkok, got the taste of travel and the experience of cultural, just the power of cultural experiences through that exchange. Because of the British connection, I then moved to England, lived in England, worked in advertising in England, met my the father of my kids, who is Brazilian. He introduced me to Olinda. Mm-hmm. I came up with the idea of my business, my social enterprise in London. He introduced me to Olinda. He wanted to move home. It all just kind of worked out beautifully. So I needed a place to launch it. It felt like the right place. 
that was 16 years ago. 16 years ago. So we will we will come to that the international exchange yeah. very, very soon. Yeah. But I heard you say in Canada, growing up in Canada, South African, also British, you lived in Thailand and now yeah. live in Brazil. And you started 16 years ago, the social enterprise. Yeah, the, the idea of um, my social enterprise, the international exchange, it came up uh, probably in around 2004. I came to Brazil uh, with Guga in 2004. Mm -hmm. it, it was actually, a, I don't know if you've, you've probably had this just because you talk about moments that have obviously some aha moments in your in your book mm -hmm. um Uslam. but uh there was a very clear after this particular trip to brazil where i uh, the it was almost like a spiritual awakening kind of thing i just i was my brain was just going crazy i had to take i called it a mental health day from work not because i wasn't liking where i was working i just needed to tr figure out what was going on in my head and i spent the day i, I can still picture it sitting on this old kind of beat up chair that was our office chair because I was a very lowly paid account person working in advertising at the time did not have a lot of money and I was sort of just sitting in this chair and I came up with this idea and I spent the day and then from that moment on I started writing the business plan so that was in 2004 and I started you know doing everything that I did and I'm sure we'll get to that yeah so that was in 2004 so it's what new, yes about okay. 16 years ago yeah so going to that, say like you know, I heard the first time about you actually from my friend Gulshanoi because you know she 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 called me and she says like you know there's this nice program I really want to contribute there I want to want to be a participant and I was like what is this Thai she says like and Thai stands for the International Exchange I was like is this an Erasmus program what are you talking about you're not a student or something or no. And she explains it to me and I go on the website and I am blown away. You know, I'm just kind of, what is this? You know, I heard about different programs about an exchange abroad, uh, helping developing countries, but I have never heard about a setup you have actually designed and you, you do it now for the past 60 years. And also Gough Thompson from the Do Lectures and the Do Podcast. He told me about it. And He's I was like, okay, it. there are two yeah. people out there which are telling me about it. <laughs> I need to know more about it. And uh, and maybe or in the future, I have to be a participant. You should. You should definitely. Yeah, you, I, you would add a tremendous amount of value, I think. But yes, anyway. So, but before I, I actually tell something about Thai, you are the founder, the CEO of Thai. Can you tell us about Thai? What is Thai? What do you do? Why should people really pay attention to this platform you're having with people from all over the world? Yeah. Um, I think I might start perhaps with just a very brief explanation as to kind of why why this even came about. What was this kind of moment, I guess, that I had in 2004? Mm -hmm. There were a whole lot of things that kind of led to that. 
Um, but it, I think where it really was rooted, my whole family work in the helping people industries, which is how I like to explain it. So my, you know, doctors, social workers, environmental engineers, my uncle, as I mentioned, I was born in South Africa, a whole lot of my family live in South Africa. My uncle has since passed away, but he was Nelson Mandela's doctor when he yeah. first came out of prison and started negotiations with the apartheid government. Yes. Um so you can just imagine, I mean, my, my uncle and aunt have always been huge inspirations for me. You know, they would talk about the struggle in South Africa. They would talk about uh, workers' unions. They would talk about just humanity, helping humanity. And my father being a doctor, and he was, you know, on the patient safety committee, and he was all quality of care in hospitals. And it was all human, human, making the world better. Your father, doctor, you yes. My dad, doctor, my uncle, doctor, my grandfather, lot, there were a lot of doctors. Yeah. And I had no desire to be a doctor. I made it very clear to my parents. I didn't have any pressure. In fact, my father said, oh, you shouldn't be a doctor. Don't be a doctor. It's, you know. And I didn't have any pressure from my family to go down that route. I, I studied business. Um, I didn't have any pressure from that point of view. It was just when I then went into the corporate world and even studying business school, actually, there was very much this kind of, what's the main goal of business? To make money. Yeah. And it's like, profit. oh my God, hold on a second. You know, profit, profit, profit. And what, hold on, is that it? Is that literally it? Because that doesn't make any sense to me. And so I just felt um, there was something missing. Even back then when I didn't even have any business experience, but it was just that I think having grown up with family that was so committed to humanity and I don't even mean it in a worthy way they found themselves as doctors maybe that's you know their parents were doctors so they probably but it was just in a day-to-day -day, it was not all about making money there were you know quality of care patient safety how can we make things better and I just felt that humanity was missing a bit in the corporate world and advertising but not just advertising in companies and I think where I started to feel something was off was that I, as an individual, wanted to know that the skills that I had had some kind of purpose in the whole scheme of things. And it felt like it was an either or. I either had to work in the helping people industries or I worked for a company and helped that company make profit. And it kind of felt but I don't want to be a doctor. And it kind of felt I have to either be a doctor or do this. And I thought, no, but hold on. And as Gav mentioned in the podcast, as he's also talked about, and you know, we talk, I've talked about that for ages as well. It's the and, and it's the, what about the and, and, you know, surely I have something that I can offer as well. Yeah. Actually, I want to say something about and, and Philippa, I yeah. had a very similar experience because I'm educated as a pedagogue and a teacher. But, you know, yeah. I, I also like really solving problems, creating businesses. I love that. But I thought if I would be a business person, a CEO of something, do I help people? No, only teachers, doctors, yeah. nurses. Yeah. All these people do it. But, you know, if you're a tech guy, if you're a business person, if you are an artist, yeah, what... Do you really help people? I couldn't think about this. We are also actually really indoctrinated in that way that only these kind of professions, they help people. But for example, a supermarket woman, a cashier, does she really help people? Or an artist or a business owner, someone that studies business. 
And then I realized later on in life, actually, everyone has a purpose in life and everyone has a contribution in a different way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly, that's exactly what we stand for. I mean, just if I was to summarize, you know, what, what, what do we believe? We believe that the world, the way that it currently is, is not working. And so we need to create change makers. And everybody has the power to be a change maker. It's just finding out what it is within you that can make change. So what yeah. skill do you have? Everybody can. And that's, that's what I was feeling sort of back in 2004. It's kind of, okay, I, I might be a business person. I know advertising or I'm a designer or I, I understand, you know. And also what's fascinating, having done this for 16 years, people will see themselves as a designer or they'll see themselves as an architect or they'll see, see themselves as a, as a strategy person. But when you're actually forced to use what you know and draw on the skills that you have developed over the course of your career, but also your education and also your life. So your knowledge, having lived in Istanbul for a while and having met that Kurdish family and having to, you know, there's so much information that you have gathered over the course of your life that you suddenly have so many nuggets of information that can then be contributed mm -hmm. to a group of, you know, a, a Syrian um, organization that works with people who have been traumatized by war and who are needing help in the area of communications. I'm pretty sure that if you were put in that project, you would have so much to offer because yeah. of your understanding and your just your your education background and just so we believe that people wanted to be able to know that their skills had purpose. Mm -hmm. We also then looked at the public or the private sector and realized actually the private sector it does not have to be this evil sector that's all about profit. Mm -hmm. First of all, people don't want to work in places that only focus on profit. They need to know that where they're working has some other story to tell has some other purpose, some other value to offer society or the world. So one, we know that people are yearning to work at places like that. People will only now really start, I mean, not only, but I would say that the trend is going in the direction of people wanting to work at those types of companies, staying at those types of companies. But also if we look at the skill or the resources that these companies have, they have the human resources and the financial resources that the NGOs, the social initiatives or nonprofits out there don't have. They don't yeah. have access to this. But the private sector the private sector also can make decisions incredibly quickly. They can rally a lot of people. They have some of the smartest people in those companies to then make change. But the question that I kept asking myself was, okay, so if we know it has the potential to make change, we know that people within it want to make change. How do, like, where's the missing link? How do we indeed, get there? Indeed, yeah. All the people that work for these corporates with great HR, with great skills, with great, great skills, they want to make a change in the world. And they might feel like, hey, with the job I'm having, I don't know if I make a change because they might have the idea of I need to be a teacher, I need to be a nurse, I need to be a doctor to make a change. So how can they be change makers? Exactly. So what, basically what we want to do is create the leaders in these companies that can make meaningful change. But the question is, how do you do that? And I often say, you know, the quality of our output is influenced by the inspiration we seek. So if we keep doing the same thing every single day, we only hang out with the same people, we stay in the same bubble, in the same group, you know, in the same city with the same people, in the same silo of work, 
How do Philippa, you do Philippa, I want to repeat this. The quality of our outputs is influenced by the inspiration we seek. Ah, that's so beautiful. Yes. But the thing is, is if we keep doing the same thing every day, how are we going to be able to innovate in new ways? How are we going to have those insights of how things are done differently? How are we going to be able to challenge the system? What if we don't have the confidence to challenge the system? Because if we've never seen anything done in a different way, we wouldn't have that confidence. How are we going to empathize with how things are, other, other people do things differently? Other people like things done. How do we hire people who are unlike ourselves if we don't have that cultural intelligence to understand how people, you know, people who aren't like us are different? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in order to be able to challenge the system, to be able to find those new insights, to do things differently, to be able to innovate, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Let's, let's put ourselves in situations where we actually need to innovate. And so that's what we did. We basically created an opportunity to connect the private sector skills or people yeah. with social projects. And, and we use that as a catalyst to unlock change. Change in the places where they're actually helping the organizations and the mm-hmm, people in the local mm-hmm, communities. Mm-hmm. But it's not just, that's 50% of the equation. The other 50% of the equation is that catalyst of unlocking that potential, inspiring those change makers to then make change in their communities, in their companies, in their roles with their clients. And that's what we do. And so, so basically, yeah. It, it is actually a win, 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 win situation because you know people that want to make a change seek to want to make a change they go to the social the ngos they make a create a change there which the local people they benefit from it because they get people in that have knowledge have skills which they can use there plus it is a win when these people go back to their companies they have felt and experienced you know, what they have done, what they have changed, the community change, change in very different ways. And they can apply these skills and the confidence, not to forget the confidence back at work. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And there's a, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Can you give an example of a project? For example, a company, people that work for a company, what kind of project did they do with Thai or with the NGO? Well, I'll, I'll give one just because actually we're about to do the second one. We're about to announce it and it's a virtual offering because as you, as you can imagine, we, we, we used to do this before March of last mm-hmm. year uh, physically. So we would physically get somebody who was from Midwest America. Yeah. And he works in New York at Wyden and Kennedy as a designer. Trevor yeah. is his name. And, you know, he would um, go to Malawi and he would find himself in the long way and having to kind of negotiate the culture there and the people and the challenges. And, and this particular example is he needed to make these fuel efficient stoves sexy. Now, just to back up a little bit, Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world. There's a very high proportion of people that do not have access to electric cooking or gas cooking. Um, in order Malawi to is in Africa. Is Malawi in Africa for the listener? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Malawi is one of the southern African countries. It's it's just above South Africa. 
and uh, they do. Ha- it's landlocked as well. Uh, there is Lake Malawi, but it is landlocked. Too often, our lives are shaped based on things that happen to us. Why did life happen to us? Where we can choose to let life happen for us. Are you hoping to start your own business? Do you want to move to another country? Do you have a desire to build an abundant life? Over the course of four weeks, you can transform and grow around that. And no one can really stop you. I am pleased to invite you to consider a new workshop, the Transformation and Growth Workshop, open to a hand-picked group of people this summer and we start June 7. It's a virtual program available wherever there's a laptop and an internet connection. As you know, I'm a teacher, I have a bachelor and a master in education, I'm a mindset coach, writer and a successful podcast producer. I have worked at international schools, a multinational Danish fashion company, a tech startup, and I'm a published author. I lived in three different countries, and due to my passion and love for personal growth, I have done several mindset, self-awareness, self-empowerment, and personal growth training. And I have read many books about self-development and spirituality. So I know what's up and how to practice transformation and growth. People always ask me, how do you transform and grow towards your goals? The answer is, I do the work. The idea? This transformation and growth workshop is a structured four-week self-development program. During the workshop, you will transform and grow in an area you care about. Throughout the program, we will be teaching you useful techniques, challenge you to invent new ones, and most of all, connecting you with other students who are going where you are going. This online workshop will take a commitment, a few hours a day, but if you put in the time, you will earn the body of work you will end up creating. And by the way, if you know a friend in need of a worthy transformational summer project, please share this with them. To sign up or find out more, go to ozkanozlem.com slash go. Let me spell it for you. O-Z-K-A-N-O-Z-L-E-M dot com slash go. Hope to see you there. And as a result, they need to cook with firewood. And one of the leading causes of death for children under the age of five are lower tract respiratory infections because of smoke inhalation. The second leading cause of death for adults is also smoke-inhalated problems with their health. As you can imagine, having to travel further and further and further to cut down trees, you're not able to work, so it impacts the economy. And of course, it's not great for the environment, one, cutting down all these trees, but also the smoke. So for so many reasons, these stoves are really important for the planet, but also mm-hmm. for people in Malawi. They're affordable. The problem was they just weren't really known about. And Trevor, the designer, who would not normally have the opportunity to be working as a strategist or making a find a solution to a sort of a client issue, he would literally be sitting there working on InDesign and, and creating beautiful pieces of artwork. Mm-hmm. But as far as running projects, that would be the account person at the agency or whatever. So he was responsible for working very closely with this organization, with the understanding, talking to the chiefs of the community, talking to the beneficiaries, talking to various different people and creating a strategy and then a brand and in 30 days launching it. In two years before Ty and Trevor got involved, they had only managed to sell 
500 stoves. Yeah. Trevor was there for 30 days. Now, Trevor's yeah. stepping out of his bubble, having to draw on literally all the knowledge that he has. He's not a professional, you know, strategist or anything. In 30 days, 10,000 stoves were ordered. Their goal by 2020 was 2 million stoves. They made it. And I actually just did a podcast with the founder of the organization. He said, by like, this was down to tie. This, there's no question in my mind, we are now the leading stove manufacturer in the region, and this is fully down to tie. Our next project, actually, because we've obviously had to go virtual, as you can imagine, the whole yeah. world shut down. And that was, you know, this year has been incredibly, incredibly difficult. But what was very clear was that there was still a huge need for this help with the organizations. And I would say that the world has also changed. I would say there is even more desire to be change makers. I think people want to know that they can be a part of the change that this world desperately needs. Especially during the COVID, you know, people also, you know, you, we had time to rethink of the way we live, rethink the way we contribute. It, yeah. it was also a lot of self-reflection time. And I can imagine that many people have had, hey, what are we doing? We are doing this work for such a long, 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 long time. But is this really what we want? Or is there any contributions we are, contribution that we are seeking to make? Absolutely. And I would say as well that I think what probably a lot of your listeners or just people in general are thinking, I think we need to question how things were done. I think things need to be done in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. it's time. Let's change things. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying, okay, things need to be changed, let's be part of that change. Because actually, it's, we, we can. We, it's in our hands. And the thing is, is if we start to understand the dynamics and how the world is working, you actually can be that change. Be that change back in your company. Use your role. Use what you know to challenge the system. You just need to have the confidence, the understanding, and and the the kind of resources and the insights to do that. And so we unlock that. Ah, you you unlock the confidence and understanding that they actually are able to do it, because yeah. you know the designer he turned into a strategist when he was in this country and he made the strategy. absolutely. And he he actually he went back. He changed his role. He got promoted almost immediately. Um, he started doing much more sort of strategic work back at the company. He had more of a social head on um, on his shoulders at the end of it. And as and as I was saying, actually, the next tie where we've launched a way that obviously Gushanoi, who's your who's your friend, mm -hmm. and was talking to you about getting involved. We have a tie accelerator program, which basically is getting a group of people, you know, six up to six people from around the world, all professionals coming together to find a solution to a challenge. And the, the, the next challenge that we have lined up is actually with this organization that Trevor worked at in Malawi. Um, and it's basically being the voice for 2.8 billion people around the world who still do not have access to clean cooking. Mm. And it's a big global challenge. And so 2. there's- 2.8 million, did you say billion, that? Billion, billion, billion. 2.8 billion people around the world still do not have access to clean cooking. And that means that we keep talking about climate change and we need, you know, the Amazon. All of that is really important. That is actually is, one third, almost one third of the whole world population. 
do not have access to clean cooking and they don't have a voice. And there's an energy meeting, a UN meeting in September. Malawi is representing this 2.8 billion people. But as you can imagine, at an energy meeting at the UN, who has the loudest voice? Electric, solar, uh, gas. The clean cooking movement does not have enough money behind it. It's Malawi. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. So Thai is pulling together a group of people and we need to find a way to give this Malawi a voice at this UN meeting so that people at this meeting at the UN can properly understand the real situation of 2.8 billion people not having access to clean cooking. So that's one of our next projects that we're going to be launching now. Actually, it's going to be in June. Wow. Okay. So, you know, going back a little bit to not um, travel, but other people that come into this program now virtually work on uh, projects in any country where it is needed When they come back, not looking at the company only, how did you hear stories about how they contribute to their own communities, to their family? What's happening there exactly? Oh, that's a really good question. Family, I really like that question. As far as people coming back and making change at their company mm -hmm. um, or how they as individuals feel differently. I mean, mm -hmm. once you're part of the Thai family, you're part of the Thai family. So I am in touch with literally every, pretty much every, I would say 98% of the people who mm -hmm. have been through it. And if I email people, they respond immediately. I mean, it is a very tight community. It's beautiful. Um, so I've followed, I know kind of what most people are doing. This experience has by 100% really touched individuals. It has changed their lives. They certainly see the world in a different way. They want to be more active in realizing their purpose, whatever that might be. It might be making a difference in the world. I mean, that's obviously my whole kind of, that's my spiel and that's what I hope they do. But it not necessarily, you know, not necessarily everyone, I, th I think it definitely unlocks confidence, potential, a new vision, a new way of seeing the world, what mm -hmm. people want out of their, their personal purpose, mm -hmm. which obviously I'm sure you talk a lot about with your, with your um, coaching. Mm -hmm. So I think if it means making a difference to the world, wonderful, but it might not necessarily go there. It, I think what's mostly important with all of it is helping people realize their personal purpose, what is important to them, yeah. and then how they can then realize that. And if that then means using what they know to impact the world, great. If it means finding, you know, being promoted and going to be the managing director of Wiley Kennedy Tokyo, mm -hmm. amazing. And that's actually yeah. one of the individuals who, you know, in 2008, he went on tie. He's still at Wiley Kennedy. He's now the managing director of the Tokyo piece of business or Tokyo office. Mm -hmm. And his argument is, you know, I just, I realized how special it was to be able to run with something that you sort of didn't really know where it would go when you have to kind of, you know, have the confidence to just kind of make things happen and also just being based in a completely different part of the world was incredibly important to me and so that's where you know he went down that route yeah so to sum it up a little bit for the listener eh? like when you before covid when you wanted to be part of the tide the international exchange as a company you applied for it and then you brought the company the members that applied for it in touch with the projects owners in Malawi or any other country where there was something needed and they had to solve a problem there but there was also a time cap you talked about 30 days is it still like is there a time cap of 30 days two months and why is there a time cap 
Yeah, Why not? Well, Let's yeah, work on question. it for two yeah. years. Yeah, great question. So before COVID, we did only do this. This was only a corporate offering. And as I said, it was only physically having these placements. And yes, it would only be 30 days. To be honest, 30 days because people were still employed by their companies. And so they wouldn't be able to go for longer than 30 days. And also I do, you know, there's different ways that these types of guild volunteering opportunities can work. We on purpose created projects that could be implemented in 30 days, because if you are incredibly focused, also, I think necessity is the mother of invention plays a huge part in these experiences. You know, the obstacle is the way mm -hmm, with every challenge, mm -hmm, there is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you are limited by time, by money, by resources, it's unbelievable what is possible. And I just think what a lot of people come back with after these types of experiences is realizing, oh my God, I can do a lot more with a lot less. And they take that into their roles. And that I've heard, I've heard that time and time and time again. Oh my God, I used to always say, no, that's impossible. No, that's impossible. I realize why do we have to do things with this amount of money? We can do it for so much cheaper. We yeah. have to change the way we think, the way that we approach these challenges. So the time frame is important. One, from a purely people wouldn't do it for any longer anyway, mm -hmm. but it, it's also very important because of that leadership development experience. Now we still have corporate opportunities. So we've got two corporate opportunities, but we also have Thai Accelerator, which is now a way for individuals to get involved. Obviously right now it's all virtual. It's incredibly powerful. The team option and the one that is, you know, the Thai Accelerator one, which individuals can get involved with, that's six weeks. Again, it's six weeks because it's important to have two weeks of preparation, understanding about international development, understanding about just the project itself. And then you kick off and you have four weeks with your team of people to crack it. Any longer than that, it just starts to get a bit unwieldy. It's hard to kind of contain it. You know, people are busy. A six-week program is is possible. It's two hours a day. You can work it within your sort of your busy schedule. It's good because you sort of, it's, it can get quite intense. So people sort of think, okay, I can do this, but I've got my life. I have to kind of get back to my normal day-to-day -day work. But it is, it, it's an accelerator where it accelerates change, not in only the organizations and the beneficiaries and the communities that you're working in, but it accelerates change in your life and in your brain and in your abilities as well. And six weeks is a good kind of tangible amount of time to then yeah. make that all happen. And and again, necessity it unlocks invention. I like necessity that. Necessity is the mother of invention. Is the mother, not unlocks, is the mother of invention. Okay, cool. Yeah. So people, if they want to be part of Thai, well, um, we, what do we, they do? Can, can everyone be part of it? Uh, do they go to a process? Well, it's a very good question. I've got two ways that I will drive people to us. One, if you want to understand your change making potential or where your change making power comes from, it's a really, I, I highly recommend you doing this too. It's really cool to just understand what where you fit in as far as if you, if there's a team of people, what do you bring to the table? And then what other people do you need to have around you to make that team powerful and work? And when people are different to you, that's maybe a good thing 
because actually you need people who do things in a different way to you. So we've got this decoder. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. So if you just go to decoder.tiechangemaker.com, mm-hmm. you'll get it in your email, fill it out. You just download the Google form. It's super, super cool. So that will just start you on the journey of just being part of Thai. It doesn't cost anything. It's for free. If you want to be a part of Thai Accelerator, if you're an individual and you want to be a part of the next program, actually, we've got a t- couple of amazing projects lined up. Um, it would be apply.tieaccelerator.com. And I guess you can include those links in your... Yeah, um, I can, I can include it in the episode notes, also including your uh, And then uh, the podcast. website. Oh, and the podcast. Oh, yeah, we've got our podcast. Yeah, so Thai Unearthed, uh, you can get it on any channel. And if you're a company, if you're a corporate, I mean, we do have our, our main website, theinternationalexchange.co.uk. Um, that's where you can find all of our case studies, all of our history, everything like that. But if you do want to get involved or you just want to f- sort of follow our journey, uh, those two links that I gave you are a good way to do that. Yeah. So my last question, actually, Philippa, is in the Bridging Podcast, we bring the listener on a bridge, sometimes to a very familiar place and sometimes Ooh. to a new place. And they learn uh-huh. new things there. They, we explore different viewpoints. Yeah. If you could take the listener on a bridge... Where would that be? If I could take the listener on a bridge, where would that be? To somewhere. Where would that be? God, that is a really good question. I would say out of their comfort zone. Mm. And that could be anywhere. I would say talk to somebody who you would not normally talk to. Do something that you wouldn't normally do. So push yourself push those boundaries to unlock that potential. Talk to someone who you wouldn't normally talk to, to to understand something new. Be constantly curious. Ask different questions, do different things. I think it's really easy to get stuck into the monotony of life. And I think we we sometimes think we need to quit our jobs or we need to, you know, oh my God, I need to get away. You know what? Not necessarily. I think sometimes, as you said as well, with your coaching, you know, sometimes it's actually in you push yourself just that little bit more, find that inspiration because it's incredibly powerful. And when you find that, or when you find those nuggets of information or inspiration, it can take you on a journey and get you thinking in many different ways. And I think that's where I would take people. Cool. I want to go on that bridge with you. (laughs) I love that question. That's a beautiful question. Thank you. Thank you so much, Philippa, coming on the Bridging Podcast. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I really want to participate in the future to uh, Well, I hope you do. I would love it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please leave a review. You can find more about my mindset coaching, book the students and daily blog at ozkanozlem.com or my Instagram ozkanozlem, O-Z-K-A-N-O-Z-L-E-M. O-Z-K-A-N-O-Z-L-E-M.